Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Greetings, good day, and welcome back to Gathered by the Ghost Light, original stories for radio theater. I'm Jonathan Cook, your host, producer, and sometimes voice actor on this thing. And before we start, I just want to let you all in on a little secret. You are amazing. All of you out there, listening right now, it's people like you and your support that keeps this podcast going, and I just want to thank you. So here I am, making this awkward, telling you, all of you, thank you. And now, let's walk on down the aisle to episode number 33 with a new comedic play written by playwright and just wonderful human being, Marge O'Neill Butler. Marge is the regional rep for the Dramatist Guild in the Florida area where she lives. She's written over 50 plays that have been produced all over the world, and several of her works have been published by Smith & Krauss and Applause Books. And today you're going to hear her play called Wedding Bell Blues. You're about to meet a bride-to-be and her mother. It's mother's birthday, and like all mothers, her only wish is to be a part of her daughter's wedding, including planning the whole thing for her. Well, she's soon going to find out that the wedding plans have already been made by the bride behind her back, which gets her a little down, but maybe a birthday present is just the thing she needs to cheer her up. Now, gather on the ghost light, sit back and enjoy. This is Wedding Bell Blues, written by Marge O'Neill Butler. And be sure to stick around after the story to hear an interview with this writer. Happy birthday, Ma. Thank you, sweetheart. You always remember me. Should I open it or wait till after dinner? Whatever you want. I'll wait. I want to talk with you about the wedding. I am so excited. I'm getting there. Trying not to become a bridezilla. I've been waiting my whole life to plan your wedding. Wait, this is my wedding. I know. Didn't you plan your own? No, my mother did. Did you like that? No. Keep that in mind. I've been worried about your flower girl. We don't know any little people. There's a really cute girl at the church. No, I'm asking... Not Brenda. Please don't say it. 
She doesn't have any teeth. Maybe they'll grow in by September. She's at that awkward age. Gawky, self-conscious. She's sweet. Girls that age have those bellies that, that stick out. We'll put her in an empire waist dress. Are you sure about using her? Ma, she's my sister. Half. And this may be the highlight of her young life. The photos will be awful. They won't. They'll represent my life. All my friends and family. Please don't tell me you asked Becky to be a bridesmaid. Not officially yet, but I plan to. Why? She looks like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. She's been my friend since first grade. I'm not doing mix and match here. You need to, for the photos. If you think pictures are more important than my friends, then... I... It's not that. It'll be my album, Ma. Not yours. I suppose your father will walk you down the aisle? Of course. Both mothers and fathers do it these days. Only in Jewish weddings? Why does he get the starring role? I raised you while he ran off with that woman. I'm going to be the star of my wedding. Who are you going to choose for your maid of honor? I'm not having one. You have to. It's tradition. Guess I'm not traditional. Are you having a matron of honor? Please don't tell me you've asked Gloria. She'll ruin the photos, too. Because she's a bit wrinkled? She doesn't wear clothes well. She always looks like she's about to get on a horse. Well, giddy up, then. I'm not asking Gloria. You'll be happy to know. Then who? It's a surprise. It's not that woman. Ma, her name is Felice, and she raised me, too. She's not the right age. She's older than me. Not by much. He robbed the cradle. She's part of my family, whether you like it or not. I suppose your father's been pushing for this? He hasn't said a word. What about flowers? Can, can I... The chapel is small. I don't want a lot. The church will want them for Sunday service. They can... They'll take what they get. I'm not on their floral committee. I don't want the place to smell like a funeral. Simple. Elegant. The one flower I'd really like are lilies of the valley. Why? I had them in my bouquet. That worked out, didn't it? Let's uh, try something new. I ordered several brides magazines so you can look at all the styles. I know what I want. How could you? You haven't tried on any yet. Well, Becky and I have been looking at wedding dresses since we were 12. I've picked it. Without me? I can't believe you'd do that. I am so hurt. I like the ivory ones. Mine was ivory. It was stunning. You looked beautiful in the photos. I did. Too bad he ran away with that Felice person. Ma, that was 15 years ago. Get over it. It's bad enough she'll show up, probably with her boobs hanging out. Ma, enough. Ivory will go with my fall color palette, too. For Becky, stay away from a color like peach. She'll look like a flamingo on a stepladder. Ma! She'll be in gold. I've already decided. I've written to everyone to save the date. Who's everyone? The family, my friends from the club, my college roommate. Ma, hold up. It's going to be a small wedding. Not if I can help it. I've told Dad it wouldn't be big. I suppose all his friends will be invited? Well, he does get some of the seats, since he's paying for it. Have you thought about the food? Yeah. I want an eclectic menu served buffet style. Something for everyone. Not a sit-down dinner? Can't we just serve food? Like a nice piece of chicken? Ugh, there's no such thing. If I eat any more chicken, I'll cluck. Besides, 
The venue is perfectly set up for tasting stations. Will the people get enough to eat if they're just tasting? It's great. That way people can eat when they want to. And we're having a barn dance. I've hired a banjo trio. Banjos are going to play for your first dance? Sure. At a restaurant? No, the wedding venue is in a barn. You want me to dress up to go to a barn? It's a nice barn. Which would smell like hay and horse poop. It's been a wedding venue for years. I doubt a horse has even been anywhere near the barn. At least Gloria will like it. She'll probably bring her horse to the reception. The only animal allowed will be Butchie. No, you can't have a dog at the wedding. Where are these wedding rules written down? It's out in the country, and he'll be crushed to miss the wedding. He's a dog. What does he know about weddings? Oh, he'd know if he was left out. I can't believe you made all these decisions without me. Can I at least help with the cake? Felisa's sister is baking it. She does beautiful work. So I'm the chop liver of the wedding. No input, no planning. What will I tell the girls when they ask? You'll say it's all hush-hush and you're not allowed to say. Great. Now I have to lie to my friends. Uh, Can we get off the wedding, please? Why don't you open your present? I suppose. I have to say I'm very disappointed. I thought we were close. Happy birthday, Ma. Open it. Not even a card? I see where I stand. You always say they're a waste of money. It would have been nice this once. (laughs) Ma, I can't win with you. Open the box. Why do people waste all this tissue paper? To make it look fancy? I know you recycled this box. You're taking forever. I get one gift, so I like to take my time. Savor it. It's my dress. It is. You're going to wear my wedding dress? Mm Mm-hmm. I am. It was a size 12. Will it fit? (laughs) A size 12 is now a size 8. It fits. Perfectly. This is so exciting! My beautiful dress! I'm touched! And all this behind my back? (laughs) Read the card. You bought a card? (laughs) Actually, it's a note on my new stationery. Read it. I'm going to cry. (laughs) Don't. You'll stain the dress. What will my color be? I've been thinking a kind of rust. So you stand out from the bridesmaids. Perfect. Wait till I tell the girls. I'm going to be the classiest woman in a barn with a dog tasting food as matron of honor to my fabulous daughter. And Felice can go to hell. (laughs) That was Wedding Bell Blues, written by Marge O'Neill Butler. It was performed by Kate Daly as the bride-to-be and Susan Willis as the mother. All right, so joining us now is the writer of the story you just heard. Uh, This is Marge O'Neill Butler. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's so cool to finally uh, get a chance to talk to you uh, because many people out there may not realize, but this is actually the second time that you've had a play produced on this podcast, the first time being uh, last year, early last year, your play Finding Help was 
episode number 11, and we had a lot of fun recording that one, as well as this new one, Wedding Bell Blues. So for, for the people out there that aren't familiar with you and your work, could you give us a little bit of a background on how you got into playwriting? I started playwriting uh, when I was running a summer theater in Vermont. I ran the theater for 24 years. And after a few years of adult shows, we thought that it was probably good to have um, some shows for children. So we went to New York to some convention to see what was out there that maybe we would bring into the theater. And we absolutely hated it. I remember seeing a guy of about 42 tap dancing playing Jack and the Beanstalk. And I thought, this is not what I want. And so I thought, well, I'll just try to write something. I love story theater uh, plays for children where probably there's only a couple of boxes and maybe a ladder and a plank and they create the world and tell stories that way. So um, I started that and then. Uh, it was successful, and we ended up doing winter tours throughout Vermont, New Hampshire, um, northern uh, New York State, and we even toured down in the Caribbean. And I probably wrote about seven or eight plays for that. And um, then we had some people that, you know, said, can I write a play for you? And they did. And um, so we had a really outstanding children's theater company, theater for children, we called it. And um, then I was raising my sons and I sort of stepped back from writing. But then <laughs> my husband was retired from flying and he started to write. And I thought, I could do that. I've done that. Let me try it again. And um, that was about 213 maybe, yeah, 213. And I've been writing ever since. And I've had really, really good fortune with my short plays because there are so many short play festivals out there. And I've had a just a good run on a lot of them. I've been produced in 31 states, Washington, D.C., UK, Scotland, Malaysia, Hong Kong, uh, a few other places I've forgotten <laughs> which. And so, um, and I've had 55 different plays produced, many of them several times. That is so yeah. great. I mean, it's a great thing that you got back into it because you've had such a great success with all these short plays that you've written. Yeah. Well, I'm also an actor and a director. And as you mature, some of those things disappear. And so um, I love being in the world of theater and playwriting. And so I kind of just really stayed with it uh, and made it my focus once um, other roles got dried up. Uh, so let's, uh, let's dive into the play that the audience just heard. Uh, this one's called Wedding Bell Blues. And it feels like a play that many people could relate to, even if they haven't you know, been in that same situation themselves, because it's easy to feel and imagine the bond between this this mother and this daughter. And, uh, you know, how the mom sees things for one perspective, how, you know, she genuinely thinks she's doing the best for her daughter. She's trying to help her. And then the daughter sees it as, hey, you know, <laughs> this is my wedding, you know, butt out, let me handle things. Uh, so 
as far as the background for how you came up with this play, um, was this maybe an exaggerated experience from your own life or was just just a, a scene that you imagined in your head how it would play out? And I really, I'm not sure. Maybe it's an imagining, as you said. I have raised two sons, didn't have any daughters. So I've never had the chance to be the mother of a girl. So maybe that's it. But I have used my experience with other people's weddings to kind of steal a little from this and steal a little from that to, to create the characters. Plus, I also always try to write a role for a woman over 50 because those um, parts are fewer and farther between these days. Uh, everything's about young and 30 and 40 and you know how woke they are. And I, I just feel like there's so many really good senior actors that um, I wanted to write for them. And I've written a number of plays about um, women over 50. I've just finished writing a whole bunch about women on a dating site <laughs> looking looking for love after 60. Now, with you also being an actor, when you're writing the scripts, do you kind of see yourself in the right situation that you would play the role? Because I, I, I ask that because I do that whenever I'm writing you know, a male around my age, I'm always picturing myself doing it. And then, of course, uh, it ends up being you know other actors that take it on, but... Yeah, I definitely do. Yeah, I can't lie. <laughs> because I have a sort of jaded sense of humor and that's the way sometimes my characters talk. So I think it's a lot of me in there. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and like you said, just um, even though you haven't had direct experience with this same situation, you kind of borrow inspiration from, you know, other weddings you've been to just kind of seeing how things go. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think a lot yeah. of us do that. And that's a, that's a healthy habit, I think, for writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you did a you did a really great job establishing the relationship between the two of them. Uh, you know, one of the notes that I gave my voice actors before we recorded is that, you know, the characters are arguing. They may get slightly annoyed with each other, but none of the lines should ever be said in anger because you could tell from the script that every word said is, you know, there's still love behind each word that's said. And I think that was just kind of, that was a great... The, the way you made it flow and the the exact word choices you you picked, um, it, it definitely established the relationship between the mother and the daughter. So great job on that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I was really trying to keep the love between them, but also the frustration that the mother had and the, the joy that the daughter kept as a secret of how she was going to involve her mother. And this play has had a a number of productions from what I've seen, um, the Curtain Call Playhouse in Florida, as well as the Stage Door Productions in Virginia, and I do believe uh, Theater 3 in New York did a Zoom production. They did indeed, it was a really good production. Yeah, so I'm curious, other than the Zoom production, which is probably easier for you to find and watch, have you had a chance to see any of the stage productions and what did you think about those? I saw the one um, here in Florida, and um, I thought they did a really great job with it. Um, I'm also a director, so I probably would have given a few notes. But, you know, you have to, um, when they choose your play, you have to hand it off and um, hope for the best. And they, they did a, a really good job with it. So something I do, maybe you do it as well. But whenever I see one of my plays out in the wild, 
if I see something really great, whether it be an acting choice or maybe a choice the director made, there's been a couple of times where when I've gotten back home, I've I've opened up the script and I've tried to incorporate <laughs> what I saw them do just to kind of enhance the play. Because if, if it's something I really liked, uh, there's, there's two scripts in particular I'm thinking of where I went back home after watching it and I really liked what they did. And I was like, man, I kind of want to incorporate that so that other theaters will kind of work that in themselves. Do, do you ever find yourself doing anything like that with any of your plays? I haven't done it with this one, but I have done it. And um, I, I'm with you on that totally, that sometimes an actor or a director can come up with just a movement or a gesture that just so- makes it solid, what they're dealing with. Um, I also work with um, three writing groups, and I'm, I've just joined a fourth. And that's really fantastic because you get to show 10 or 12 minutes of your piece that you're working on, and we get immediate reaction. Uh, in one of my groups, it's what popped when we finish the, the reading. And people tell the things that they remember or the things they really liked. And then they are asked, uh, what questions do you have or what didn't ring true to you? And the playwright just listens and writes it all down. And then you take what you want and leave the rest. And it's we've been doing this for about three and a half years now. And um, it's just great. Yeah, I think I think having playwriting groups uh, in your community is such a great asset. Um, I know in the last episode, John Busser in Cleveland, he has something similar in in Cleveland called the dark room where they just gather around each month and they they'll someone will bring a new play to read and then the peers of fellow actors and writers you know they all listen and they give their feedback and that's really a a great thing to have you know if you if, yeah. if you're in a city with a playwriting community definitely take advantage of it well with the pandemic um we went on zoom of course and it has proven to be even more useful than getting in your car fighting rush hour traffic spending gas to get to a place that we rent and then get home afterwards late. So the Zoom has just made the playwriting groups and the writing groups so accessible uh, to everyone. So I felt that it was a good thing that came out of the pandemic. Oh, for sure. I wrote a lot during that time. Uh, So Wedding Bell Blues, it's uh, it's kind of a comedy with an uplifting ending, kind of similar to Finding Help. And from what I've noticed with, you know, different playwrights, different <clears throat> different playwrights, different scripts that I've read over time, um, a lot of playwrights tend to have a genre that they'll stick to that they feel more comfortable with, whether it be comedy, whether it be dark material like horror, or maybe they write about social or political issues. Do you find that there's a particular genre that you tend to float to that you kind of be that, you, that you're more comfortable with writing about? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think irony plays a lot in my work. Um, I think that um, getting getting over something is a lot in my work. Um, I also find my characters, and I, I don't know, they talk to me and I write it down. I, I find them funny out of nowhere. I don't know where it comes from because I'm not a particularly funny person. People think I'm staid. That's a word that's been used to me. 
because when I'm thinking, I just put on my thinking face and they think, oh, she's mad or she's so quiet or whatever. But uh, these people just talk to me. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, I often get accused of the same thing. A lot of people I work with, you know, you're so quiet, you're so quiet. But, you know, I also do a lot of acting in town. And so they'll come see a play that I'm acting in and be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that you could do that. At work, you're yeah, so quiet. And it's because at work, I'm always, like you said, you know, your brain's always spinning, thinking about whether it be a script you're working on or a script yeah. you want to write in the future. So I definitely relate to that really well. So what, what do you have going on right now? You've written, what, over 50 plays. I know you have a lot of plays slated for production. Where can people out there see the next... Marge O'Neill Butler in a play in a theater near them. Oh, gosh. Mm. I'm on Facebook, Marge O'Neill Butler, M-A-R-J. Um, and I put everything, you know, that's coming up on there. Um, I'm on the newplayexchange.org. All my plays are listed there. And um, write to me at dramamarge at yahoo.com. And I'll send you a list of where they're playing. Fantastic. Well, it has been a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> thank you for coming on and thank you for uh, sharing your plays with us. Keep writing because you write great stuff. And I am looking forward to the next time we get to produce one of your plays on the podcast here. Very good. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you all for listening. And if you are associated with a theater and you would like to produce the play you heard today on your stage, please send an email to gatheredbytheghostlight at gmail.com to get connected with the playwright. This program is supported in part by the Greater Augusta Arts Council through a grant from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. Intro and outro music, as always, is provided by artist JK47. And if you enjoy this podcast, maybe you're a longtime listener, or maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard, let us know. Please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also be sure to follow Gather by the Ghostlight on social media to stay up to date on new episodes. I'm Jonathan Cook, and as always, stay safe, and I'll see you next time we Gather by the Ghostlight. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.